Welcome back to another edition of It's Raining Mets. I'm meteorologist Ed Russo, and I'm by myself. Um, no, actually, I have a special guest in the studio today. We're going to get to him in a moment. But if you noticed last week, uh, Tom Russell did the uh, podcast solo, and, and that's because in the audio booth at work, we are way less than six feet apart. So at, at CBS 21, we're really trying to practice what we preach. We're telling everyone to social distance. And that's exactly, um, that's exactly what we've been doing at work. A lot of our producers, meteorologists, you've seen Tom Russell and Steve Knight, uh, they're actually both remoting from home because we're trying to reduce the amount of people in the station at once. The less people you have, the less chances you have of, of spreading COVID-19 if you happen to be uh, uh, infected with it, let alone infected with it asymptomatically. Um, and the other issue is, uh, every time you walk out of the building and you go out into the public, say, to the, to, to the grocery store, you risk yourself of getting infected. So we're trying to reduce not only the amount of uh, employees in the physical building at CBS 21, but we're also trying to reduce the amount of times that people go in and out of the building. So the workflow has changed greatly. You've noticed that in our product on air. So uh, unfortunately, we're, we're, we're kind of just uh, going back and forth soloing these podcasts over the next few weeks. We might find a different rhythm, um, uh, but fortunately today, I do have a special guest. My, my father, actually, he's a, he's a retired OBGYN, so he has his own thoughts on, on what's going on, and, and we're going to cover that in uh, just a moment here. But I do want to just give you kind of a brief synopsis of uh, where we're at climatologically. Um, for the season so far in terms of snowfall. And as you know, we are now f fully into the first week of spring. And that means, uh, and that means uh, we're still looking at a overall spring-like pattern as we head into the second week of spring. Now, still, uh, for the snowfall season, we're at 5.1 inches of snow in Harrisburg for the, for the season, 2019-2020 season. So there's a good possibility that we may not see any more snow the rest of the year. However, don't get me wrong, yes, we have, we have seen snow in April, um, and all it would take is a little bit to drop us down to the second or third place in terms of least snowiest season. But as of now, as of today, as of this podcast, um, we are currently 5.1 inches of snow for the season. That's nearly 30 inches. Let me check to make sure my math is right. Uh, yeah, our normal value is around 30 inches of snow, so we're running about 25 inches below normal. This has been a very strange winter season, um, and it looks like uh, as we head into next week, even this weekend, we're looking mild. Uh, more of the precipitation events that we get are going to continue to be rain. You know, as you get into late March and April, it's it's just less and less likely that you're going to see any significant snow around here. So it really has been kind of a buzzkill for all of the snow lovers out there. And uh, all we can hope for is that we get more snow next season. However, if you don't like winter, this has been the season for you. Now, as we get into the middle part of next week, there's a small chance we might have enough cold air to see a little bit of snow. But it's, it's much like the event we had actually just last uh, Saturday night into Sunday. Or it might have been Sunday night into Monday. Yeah, the beginning of the week, Monday morning, where we had some higher elevation snow. So South Mountain, Franklin, Gettysburg County line, that's where South Mountain is. We saw some snow at the very top. Blue Mountain, the very top, also saw some snow as well. 
So this time of the year, not only is snow more rare, it's very elevation dependent. So if you're down in the lower valleys, you're likely to not see anything. But hey, we still have a little bit of uh, winter potentially left, but it's not looking at it's not looking like we're going to see any major blockbuster snow. Unfortunately, if you're a snow lover. Now, uh, of course, the topic over the past few weeks has been uh, the uh, continuation of the COVID-19 pandemic. And I did talk to an infectious disease doctor from Geisinger Holy Spirit. Um, and I do a, a weekly segment called Doc Talk, which you can find on our website at cbs21.com. And <clears throat> I did ask the uh, doctor, Dr. Ali, if uh, the warm weather... Uh, is going to somehow negatively impact the spread of the virus. So that would be a positive thing for us. Uh, but, you know, it, it, if you haven't noticed, a lot of experts are referring to the coronavirus as the novel coronavirus, which basically means that it's a virus, it's a particular viral strain that we've never seen before. Coronavirus is very common. It's, it, it's everywhere, it's in animals, but it's not in the particular strain that we are currently seeing today. Um, so this current strain of coronavirus, which is called, its technical term is COVID-19, um, happens to be a very contagious virus that also has a higher mortality rate than the seasonal flu. Not as high of a mortality rate as SARS or MERS, uh, fortunately, because those had a much higher fatality rate, but uh, those diseases were not nearly as contagious. So we're seeing a much, much higher nominal count of cases with COVID-19 because it's simply a much more contagious virus. And that's the concern. That's why we've taken unprecedented uh, precaution. You know, I, I, you know, we all saw that this pandemic was very capable of, of uh, coming over into the United States. I mean, you know, a, a global pandemic, that's what we're going through right now. And I, I would have never predicted the kind of precaution that we're taking, but it's it's amazing to see uh, how many people have actually been very cooperative. You know, the workplace allowing you know people to work from home. You know, perfect example at CBS 21, we're all doing our our uh, our forecasts and and producing our content as much as we can from home. Sure, we're still going to have people in the building because in order to get the product on the air, we still need to have people in the physical building. But we are trying our very best, and I see so many other uh, people. Uh, trying their best into into reducing the potential spread of, of COVID-19. So I, I, of course, don't want to talk 15 minutes uh, to myself, and I'm sure you don't want to hear my voice for 15 minutes straight. So I'm going to try to break it up here and, and bring in uh, a guy who I've known my entire life. He's a retired physician, OBGYN, a, f a retired OBGYN who used to practice in York County. And... Uh, my dad, Michael Russo. Thanks for joining. Well, hi, James. <laughs> yeah. So, kind of a kind of a he called me James there, and you might be confused. Um, I actually, uh, when I was younger, I I, I went um, off of a nickname of my middle name, which was James, uh, Jamie. And back then, I guess I I guess I thought that Jamie was was more of a girl's name than a boy's name. So, I said, "Oh well, call me James." And uh, so when I was little, my dad called me James, and, and my parents called me James. I, my real name is Ed, so I really never went by my first name until high school. So I guess you could argue I don't really have an identity. But uh, since high school, I've kind of gone by Ed. Is that, is that kind of what happened? Well, I think your, your older brother decided to call you Ed yeah. in school, thinking that it would, it would uh, annoy you. It turned out 
to be your your preference. Yeah, it had a so it backfired. Yeah, it kind of backfired on him. You know, my, when my brother's calling me a certain name, I look up to him, and all his friends were calling me Ed. So I thought it was cool. So yeah, so I started be go- going by my first name probably around uh, high school. But if you look at all my yearbooks, they're either a variation. They're either Jamie or or James, a, a good chunk of the time. So so uh, so should I call you Doctor Russo? Should I call you Dad? I'm not sure. How to, how to formally call you a name in a, in a podcast. I'm kind of learning the ropes as I do this. I'd like you to call me whatever you're comfortable with on the air. Okay. All right. On the air. I'll call you, uh, I'll call you Dr. Russo. How's that sound? I've been called that before. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, as a doctor, how do you, how do you, how have you seen this evolve? I mean, is this something that, I mean, you've never seen this in your lifetime. Well, it's quite a scary thing. It's unprecedented in my lifetime, and uh, I go back 60-plus years. Uh, but again, it's never anything that, that I've experienced. Certainly, it's nothing that I experienced uh, professionally having to deal with. Uh, so it's, it, it's quite a, a sobering and, and, and scary phenomenon that we're going through presently. And, you know, even my grandparents' generation, of course, your, your parents, uh, I mean, uh, my grandfather, I, I called him Pop-Up, he... Um, he was born in 1917, and of course we had the pandemic in 1918, which I think was, was pretty bad in New York and Philadelphia. Those were some of the hardest hit spots. Well, the urban areas were, were most affected for sure, yes. due to the density of the population. Right, so we're talking about almost two generations here that have not really seen something like this. And, and, and back then, I, I kind of think, would it, if the kind of pandemic of 1918 happened what was what was it did it have a particular it had a particular name didn't it, it was the um the well, spanish flu yeah the spanish flu um it had a I, I try to think people back then could not travel as easily as they can today i mean people are much more able to get on a plane today than they were back in 1918 and you know for the average person it's a lot cheaper to fly now than it was back in the 1910 so had something had, had the degree of the of the outbreak in 1918 happened today, I feel like it would be a lot worse because people can easily get places much faster. And I think that would have advanced the spread a little bit more, don't you think? Well, I think so. But historically, I think in this country, um, if my history serves me correctly, this uh, first became uh, evident in this country uh, in an army barracks where there's very close, concentrated uh, living Okay. And so that's one of the things that is most responsible for, for the contagion of, of a virus and how quickly it can take hold and spread. When you're living in, in close quarters, uh, the more likely it is to take off, as yeah, it did. Right. And, and, and when we're looking back at COVID-19, I've heard, um, you know, I, I've kind of heard mixed opinions about this. I'm obviously not an infectious disease doctor, and uh, I've heard people say... Uh, People with experience, other doctors say that uh, this this uh, particular virus knows no season, so there's really no indication that this would necessarily ease up during the summer. I mean, we don't really know the virus yet because it's new, it's novel. So that's the problem with the new virus. We don't really have any immunity to it because our immune system can't recognize it, therefore it doesn't know how to fight it. So I, when we talk about oh, the warm weather will, will help kill it off. I, I, I don't know that we can say that. I know the infectious disease doctor, Dr. Ali, made a similar statement saying we really don't know how this virus behaves, but we know that it seems to affect the older generation in terms of severity. 
and as far as the younger generation goes, still obviously very um, uh, can be infected by it. It just doesn't seem to to hit their body as hard as as older people. Well, that's that's true. That that's true. Although once one has uh, been infected with the virus, the, the the course can be very very severe. No matter no matter what your age is, although it 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 is far more dangerous for for uh, people 60 and, and older. Right, right. That's and, why I'm sheltering in place at home. Yes, that's a, that's a good idea. And, you know, it, it's so in our nature to go out and be sociable. So it's, it's just, I think one of the things I'm most impressed by this is, you know, how the, you know, March Madness was canceled. You see the, the, a lot of the PIAA events in, in Pennsylvania uh, cancel. I mean, th- this time of the year, we see the, we see the wrestling championships. We see, um, we see swimming and diving. The state meet usually takes place in March. And to have all of that canceled, I mean, you're taking sports away. I mean, you're taking sports away from the American people. And, and well, you're losing the, the end of the winter sports season, and you're very severely handicapping the beginning of this, the spring and summer sports season. Right, and people seem to be okay with it. They're realizing the, the danger. You know, I, I could never have predicted that, you know, a, a month or two ago, I feel like if you, you know, took away sports from America, you know, you have this, all these people, you know, going up in arms being like, how could you take this away from us? This is our pastime. But everybody seems to be really mature about it, and it's all going... Um, much more smoothly than I would think. You know, people are realizing the, the danger of, of COVID-19 and taking it seriously. And I think it's really going to have a positive impact on the ultimate outcome in terms of what could be the worst case scenario here. Because when you look at what's going on in Italy, you know, when they're dealing with overcapacity, and that's the other thing I want to get into, and we're going to kind of weave into the um, re- subject of retired doctors actually being called back into into play in the workforce because they just need more people uh, to prepare for a, this potential pandemic in the U.S. So, um, yeah, so in Italy, they had um, a lot more patients that needed treatment than the, po- than the hospital could physically handle. And you had uh, Italy making the decision of basically who lives and who dies because there are a lot of people who would have survived had they been treated, but just they couldn't treat everybody because there just wasn't, a, there wasn't enough hospital space, there wasn't enough ventilators, there weren't enough beds, and certainly there weren't enough doctors and nurses who were also getting affected to, to treat them. So coming back here to the U.S., uh, we're being so proactive about it that there are hospitals, uh, medical providers that are going out of their way to try to actually prepare um, more doctors and nurses to come back into the field from retirement to help with the potential pandemic, pandemic and, and overcapacity situation. And, and you, you actually got an email from, from, your, well, from your old employer. Yes, I did. I got a, an email, and then that was last week, and even uh, this morning I got uh, uh, a, piece, a letter in the, in the, in the uh, snail mail, if you will, asking the same thing, asking if... Uh, uh, I would be interested in contributing if called uh, to help out in some fashion. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it would be uh, involved in direct patient care, but there are other things that uh, a physician uh, with the talent and, and knowledge um, in the medical field could, could act uh, sort of in an ancillary uh, position to aid um, physicians um, and even uh, uh, other medical staff 
where there might be, heaven forbid, some shortages, uh, not only from uh, medical provider exhaustion, but potentially from their own illness. They're as susceptible to this disease as the people they treat, uh, and perhaps even more so in the sense that they're uh, constantly exposed um, to the the people who are infected with this virus. So there could, uh, unfortunately, uh, be some attrition in the uh, physician force um, in any community, this community as well as any others. So being proactive, uh, the medical community is, is feeling out those who have uh, left the field uh, and ask if, if they would be willing to contribute if called. You know, and, and just seeing how all of this is unfolding in Europe, I mean, there is some advantage to uh, the U.S., not being first to experience a virus like this because we're seeing how it unfolds in other parts of the world. So we're already learning before it gets here. So you're able to see all of these hospitals, all these institutions taking these, taking these super proactive measures to uh, prevent it from being worse around here. Yeah, and we're, and we're seeing the, the famous curve that I think anybody who, who watches television or sees newspapers, the, 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 the infection curve uh, as it rises uh, very, very high, very, very fast, and uh, understanding that the, the, the uh, hope is to be able to flatten that curve. And the only way that you do that is, is to slow down the inevitable, uh, and I say inevitable because uh, it's very, very difficult to prevent um, infection with this disease. But if we can do what we can uh, by uh, social distancing, that famous word, social, or famous phrase, social distancing, which has come into play to try to bring down the curve, in other words, reduce the rate of infection to the point where uh, the medical uh, community can handle it. Yeah, and uh, I, th- I really think with the amount of proactive measures that you know, our country has taken, you know, other, other countries are taking, I really think we're going to have a, you know, and, and the part of this is me just being hopeful, but I, I really j- just the way I've seen our world change, I can't help but think it's going to have some positive impact because everything is, is, you know, is closed or, you know, a lot of the places that aren't open, you know, people are working from home. It's, it's very heartening to see, you know, everybody coming together to, uh, to really prevent the worst case scenario from happening. And, and this is really having a ripple effect. We're going into, uh, you know, of course, you're an, you're an OBGYN and you're noticing that they're taking extra precautions in, the, in, in there and obviously trying to limit the amount of people that go in and out of the delivery room. Because, you know, the family, especially the husband, is going to want to be in there with his, with his wife or his significant other to see his, his, yeah, the, his childbirth. The spouse um, is very involved, obviously, in, in, in the birth uh, of their child. They're very important as a, as a support um, for uh, the mom. Um, so for years, hospitals have allowed spouses, significant others, um, other family members, other children, uh, grandparents to be uh, in attendance during uh, the birth, and that and that's great because it it it, it really uh, fosters community within within the family and allows them to see a truly blessed event. Unfortunately. Nowadays, given what we're faced with, with this, with this virus, uh, all steps need to be taken to, to minimize um, the exposure of, of people uh, 
where the where the infection can can run rampant again. So they've the hospitals have had to make uh, some changes in their policies where it's still very very important to have. Uh, particularly the spouse or the significant other present uh, during uh, the labor and delivery process, but but they don't want to have other people um, involved simply to reduce the risk of exposure and the risk of infection. Well, Dr. Rousseau, Dad, I want to thank you for coming in and giving your expertise on this uh, obviously very, very hot topic these days. Well, Thank you, Ed. This was fun. All right. There, I got your right, your name right this time. <laughs> yes, you did. And uh, we just want to remind everybody that I know this is a trying time, and, and uh, we'll get through this. Eventually, everything will go back to normal, and, and we're all in this together. And in the wise words of the PA Department of Health, specifically Dr. Re- uh, Rachel Levine, uh, stay calm, stay home, stay safe. We're going to see you on the next edition of It's Raining Mets. Thanks for listening.